Today is February 8th, 2021, and today we discuss the Uyghur concentration camps in China. Welcome back, Split the Difference friends and Split the Difference family. We got another fantastic episode for you here today on Split the Difference podcast. I will honestly say I think this is the best one that we have done so far, but it's not because this is going to be easy, okay? As you guys heard in the intro, today we are going to be talking about an incredibly difficult topic. Normally, when there are a bit of slower news weeks where there's not a ton going on, there's not a bunch of political divisiveness and whatnot happening in politics here in the United States, I try to cover a subject that hopefully will be beneficial to a lot of people that maybe people don't know as much about and that in the end people can get a little bit more educated about and you know, hopefully it leads to better conversations with other people in the future. Um, and, you know, maybe it just helps to enlighten you a little bit about different situations that are happening either throughout history or throughout the world. Today, I chose this topic very specifically because I think that it is a topic that needs to be discussed much, much more. We've heard very, very small amounts of news headlines about it over the past year to maybe two or three years. And some people may have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about when I say that there are literal concentration camps of Uyghur Muslims uh, in China. Well, I, I want for this conversation to be beneficial to y'all if it's something that you enjoy and this if this type of you know conversation type of podcast detailing out a bit more uh, specific situations that are happening in the world is beneficial for you and and you like it, you want to see more of that content, please let me know uh, because that goes a very long way and help me figuring out and curating content that y'all will enjoy and hopefully find of benefit to you. So um, before we totally hop in and get started in on this topic, I want to go ahead and say up front, I will talk through things in this podcast that are incredibly difficult to hear, okay? They're difficult in many, many different ways, but there will be topics about sexual abuse that is happening. There will be topics about violence that happen that are happening in China right now. And I want to give that warning up front because it either is a something you may not want small kids to be listening to, but it may also be something that is very difficult for you to hear as well. And I want to be respectful of that if I can and let you know ahead of time before I get into the story that you may you know, need to guard your heart a little bit before uh, listening into some of the topics that we're going to talk about. So with all of that having been said, let's go ahead and hop into our first story and our only story, story number one. So, um, over the past five to seven years, some of you may have heard about concentration camps or internment camps or specific things that are happening in China to a very, I guess, somewhat small minority group of Muslims living in a northwestern province of China, okay? Many of you have probably seen the 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 name of these the Uyghur Muslims is how I've heard it pronounced in a multiple in multiple different places. Uh, it's spelled U I G H U R S or U Y G H U R S. I'm sure some of you may have seen headlines around this, or maybe have heard people talk very a little bit about it. You may not know or are incredibly informed about it, or you may be more informed than even I am about this. Maybe it's something you've studied extensively about. 
But um, there is an incredible human rights violation happening right now across the sea from us in China to a minority group of Muslims uh, that is atrocious and horrendous to say the least, okay? So, who are the Uyghurs, okay? They are a Muslim ethnic group that primarily live in the northwestern Xinjiang province of China, okay? There are about 11, 10 to 11 million people that would be ethnically Uyghur, um, and they've lived there for, I mean, hundreds if not thousands of years at this point, and primarily are workers in agriculture, small trade, um, crafts and such what, and whatnot. Uh, and they, I think for the most part, identify primarily with more Western Asian culture. So uh, there's Uyghurs in Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, and Kyrgyzstan as well. Um, I think the, the primarily uh, these, these groups of people kind of got established where they are currently as a result of historically where the Silk Road was. And if you don't know what the Silk Road was, it was a, an incredibly... Um, powerful trade route that China constructed and built that basically connected Rome and the Western world with China, okay? And it's called the Silk Road because a lot of more Western countries and Western cultures loved silk, the silk that China produced. So China produced uh, a beautiful type of silk that was then, you know, traded for a lot of money, uh, over into the Western world, and it was all done along this very thousands-mile track and trading route called the Silk Road. So the Uyghur Muslims kind of got established along the Silk Road in Western Asia hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and have been there ever since. They have their own language called the Uyghur language. Uh, they have their own clothes, their own style, their own, I mean, they're an entirety of their own culture and ethnic group. Um, and have established themselves in this region and, and have obviously been there for, for a while. So, um, uh, they for a little while uh, actually kind of had their own their own country their own group of people established in that northwestern territory of China but in 1949 China annexed it and took control of it um, and has you know subsequently had control over that region uh, for you know the last 60 to 70 years or so okay so um, over the years since the annexation happened of the, uh, and I'm going to, I apologize if I'm pronouncing this wrong. If you know how to pronounce the province of, of, of this, of China properly, please let me know. But I believe it is pronounced the Xianjing, the Xianjiang province of China. Um, but since their annexation of that province, China has increasingly become more and more hostile towards the Uyghur people, okay? Much of this was economic. So especially looking in the 70s, the 80s, and then up into the 90s a bit, much of what China was doing was not allowing these people to trade well, not allowing them to make the money that they need in order to be able to provide for their families, and in a lot of ways kind of pushing them more towards abject poverty because and we'll talk about this a little bit kind of throughout the podcast today, but communist regimes do not like religion, okay? Um, organized and moral religion, in a lot of ways, is very, very much against what communist regimes want, okay? And a lot of that has to do with a communist, a communist government wants, in a lot of ways, for the government to be the sole sovereign, okay, in your life. If you are Muslim and your allegiance is to Allah, then that means that you 
primarily have allegiance to Allah, okay? You do not have primary allegiance to Xi Jinping, the president of China, okay? You are primarily going to be focusing on what you can do to better your community, specifically uh, within your religious confines, and not what is going to be best for the country overall, which is a, a huge push against kind of like the Marxist China uh, communist, um, the Marxist communist like a, a manifesto and deal that has been pushed out through communism and has slowly but surely uh, accumulated power in a, in a variety of different countries over the past hundred years or so. So. Um, in the early 90s and early 2000s, there were several protests against the Chinese government, which were very, very quickly tamped out, uh, primarily around uh, groups that are wanting and wanting and begging for equal economic opportunity. Okay. Uh, recently, though, there have been, of course, a lot more eerie and awful things that have happening, um, mainly due to uh, Uyghur separatists that have risen up and tried to uh, basically form their own group that could separate themselves from the control of the communist regime in China, okay? Specifically, a Uyghur separatist attack that was carried out in 2014 has been viewed as the tipping point, okay? So in 2014, there was a large attack basically that happened uh, in that northwestern province where the Uyghurs live by a group of Uyghur separatists with the main goal of basically trying to differentiate themselves and pull themselves away from the power and control of the communist government. So when that happened, uh, the president, Xi Jinping of China, started to order the creation of and widespread detention of Uyghurs into internment or concentration camps. China has slowly but surely been adding more and more surveillance throughout the entirety of the province and has also begun to document and carefully watch all of the people that live there. So that's being done through video surveillance. That's being done through uh, the accumulation of uh, data around DNA, right? There there actually were a couple videos coming out a couple years ago of the Chinese government uh, swabbing the saliva and in the inside of the mouths of a lot of Uyghur Muslims in that province, um, specifically to try and uh, push them to a place where they have total control over everything that these people are doing. They know where they're going. They know how much money they're spending. They know who they're talking to. They know the language that they're speaking. And the purpose of this obviously is for control, right? You, China wants to be able to control these people. And China has said, They've now formally acknowledged that there are, in, in fact, they're calling them re-education camps. Uh, but the purpose behind these re-education camps is to basically re-educate the Uyghur Muslims to become Chinese, to indoctrinate them into the communist China agenda, okay? Um, which is scary, to say the least. But many of the early arrests uh, of the Muslim people were for people that China viewed that were going against the government, okay, and trying to stir up unrest. The purpose of the camps initially, like I said, was uh, I don't necessarily, and maybe I could be wrong, but from what I've been able to read and gather, the initial purpose of the camp was basically to brainwash people into the communist, you know, China thing that they're pushing right now, right, through the government in China. It wasn't necessarily to be what it is right now. Maybe that was the initial purpose. I don't know. But uh, the initial purpose, I think, was to try and control as many people as they possibly could, okay? And it was to strip them of their ethnicity, okay? So 
China was initially bringing these people in. They weren't allowed to speak their native language. They weren't allowed to wear their native clothes. They weren't allowed to eat the food that they wanted to eat or cook their own food. It was primarily so they could bring them in, strip them of anything that would make them different from anyone else in China, and then force them to watch a gigantic amount of propaganda programs created by and curated by the Chinese government. So, now that we know a little bit of the history, a little bit of the background of what's happening there, let's take a quick look in at some reporting that was done uh, by MSNBC, or by NBC, I'm sorry. Uh, that This was actually done over a year ago, which we'll talk a little bit about, but um, giving a, a bit of a look inside of the um, Chinese Muslim detention camps. Uh, so let's hop in and take a look at this now. We've seen China's Muslim re-education camps the way the Chinese wanted us to see them on a tightly controlled tour earlier this year. And we've seen glimpses from leaked videos like this one. China says the camps stop Muslim Uyghurs from becoming extremists and offer free job training. But now an inside look in the Chinese government's own words. A leaked nine-page memo reads like a how-to manual, telling officials to strictly implement measures to prevent escape. That means 24-7 video surveillance, watchtowers, and double-locked doors. The headline is... We're doing something really nasty to a lot of people, and it's secret. Adrian Zenz is a German researcher who's considered an authority on China's detention of ethnic minorities. Did someone take a huge risk in leaking these documents? In Xinjiang, people have been sentenced to death for much less. Zenz estimates up to 1.8 million Uyghurs and other Muslim minorities have been sent to the camps since 2017. That is a stunning number of people. 1.8 million people in camps. Well, it's probably the largest internment of an ethnic or religious minority since the Holocaust. All right, so we'll stop it there. Um, so all of that reporting that was that you just watched, that you just listened to, was done over well over a year ago, so in November of 2019, okay? And this happened after there were some leaked documents that detailed the current Chinese um, movements towards... Uh, bringing all of these Uyghurs into concentration camps, basically outlining what you need to do in order to re-educate or indoctrinate these Uyghur Muslims into the communist China, falling into line to what communist China wants, okay? Since then, honestly, there has not been a ton of reporting about this. What it has appeared to me like is that you will have something kind of large that happens. There will be some reporting on it. It will obviously tug at people's heartstrings, and then within the next day or two days or one week, the news cycle completely resets, right? The story's not talked about very much anymore, and things just kind of move on, okay? Since this was reported in late 2019, honestly, a lot of the porting on it has been incredibly sparse. The only source that I can find that actually has done a pretty extensive amount of investigative journalism into this is actually BBC. And um, I will talk a good bit about a BBC article that was released late last week uh, that actually informed a good bit of the research that I had done uh, coming into this podcast. And also I will link it in the show notes so that y'all can read it as well. But it details an absolutely harrowing account of a woman that had escaped from the Uyghur concentration camps in China and is then telling her story as to what she saw and what went on. It is disturbing to say the least. 
But because of the incredibly secure control that the Chinese government has on information that leaves its country, and especially the Xinjiang province, that where the Uyghurs are being held in camps, uh, it's extremely difficult to get information about it. Obviously, China is not owning up to any human rights abuses at all, but that's also just standard operating procedure for China, right? Like we've seen over and over and over again within the past couple of years, the incredible links that the Chinese government is willing to go to in order to be able to cover up human rights abuses, to be able to cover up lies, to cover up the coronavirus and stuff that has happened there over the past year, the Chinese government obviously is in total and absolute control over everything that comes into the country and everything that goes out of the country. They have their their thumb on absolutely everything. So it's difficult to get credible information about it. Um, and for the most part, a lot of the information that we currently have is either A, from a very, very, very sparse amount of leaked documents, which would be incredibly difficult to leak, not only because you're sending it out of China, but also because of the incredible ramifications that would happen to you uh, if you actually did leak something as a Chinese government official or as someone that is living and working in China. Uh, you heard in that NBC report that there have been people uh, when, in referring to those specifically leaked documents uh, detailing how to take care of Uyghur Muslims in the concentration camps. Uh, the guy said there, are pe there have been people that have been uh, that have been killed or have been, you know, horrible things have happened to them for much, much less than leaking those documents, right? So the Chinese government is a totalitarian dictatorship, com communist dictatorship, right? And what comes along with that is horrible human rights abuses and obviously the total, total squelching of any and all information that would be coming out that would be viewed as negative to the Chinese government. So, um, like I said, BBC has done a good bit of reporting on this. And last week, uh, BBC released a report of a woman that was absolutely brutal to read through, but is incredibly important. So a little bit about the story of this woman and basically what this uh, specific article in investigative journal journalism goes through and talks about. So the concentration camps specifically are absolutely horrendous, right? Exactly what you would expect for from a, an internment camp or a concentration camp to be able to abuse, neglect, and totally ruin a, a entirety of a, of a minority group of people, okay? Uh, the details on it are awful, all right? She details uh, systematic rape, beatings, torture, abuse, uh, stripping them of their clothing, of their dignity, humiliating them uh, in all kinds of horrible fashions. Um, she talks, and I think the most awful part about all of it is how it is uh, widely known in and around the Uyghur ter the, the province of Xinjiang, where a lot of these people are living, that this is going on, Okay. So I think the most startling thing that she said, and this was actually backed up, this claim was substantiated by multiple other accounts of people that have escaped from Uyghur concentration camps uh, and told their story a bit as well, but they actually have a system set up where Chinese businessmen and government officials can come in and pay the Chinese government or pay the concentration camp money in order to be able to walk in, pick a woman of their choice that are held in detention there at the camp. These women will be brought in, 
stripped completely naked, uh, handcuffed, and then, of course, raped. Absolutely horrendous, okay? And this BBC story details a lot of it. They walk through kind of what happened, uh, the accounts of these women that uh, saw things like this happen, um, of of course, happened to them as well. The women are incredibly brave to be able to come out and even talk about it at all. Um, But this claim, like I said, has been substantiated, right? So we know from multiple witnesses that have left concentration camps in that are, you know, forced upon these Uyghur Muslims there in China that this is happening. Okay, and it's happening at a mass scale right now. There are estimates between one and two million people that are put in these camps. And that was as of about six months to a year ago. Okay, they are building more. We know that they are building more of these concentration camps just about every day. Okay, and they're bringing more and more of these people in, and of course, forcing them into forced labor, horrible, horrible stuff. Okay, there have also been uh, substantiated claims and evidence of systemic castration of uh, Muslim men and sterilization of the Uyghur Muslim women. So, many of the women that are brought in are stripped completely of, you know, all of their jewelry, all of their clothes, everything that would be able to differentiate them at all, you know, for them to be ethnically Uyghur Muslim. And after they've been there for a little while, they actually are sterilized, okay? The purpose of this, obviously, is to keep the population of the minority group under control. What China has said, formally, over and over again, is that the Uyghur Muslims are working as a separatist group in order to attack and put down China and the Chinese government over and over again, okay? So China is basically saying that these people are actively hurting and attacking Chinese people, and as a result, all of these measures have to be taken in order to be able to stop them from doing that. Now, China has never admitted to any human rights violations or abuses, has never admitted to the forced sterilization or castration of people. They have never admitted to um, uh, horrible rapes or the awful things that are detailed by accounts of people that have left. They are, however, only saying that they agree that things had to be done for these Uyghur Muslims because they were incredibly violent and they were doing terrible things to Chinese people. So, obviously... All of this is absolutely horrible, horrendous stuff, right? Absolutely terrible, okay? So the question is, why is there nothing being done about it currently? And why is this not in the news more? Why is this only just a sparse or random news story that happens once every couple of months and then it's kind of swept under the rug and we just move on? What is terrifying to me most about a lot of this is how eerily similar this is to what was happening in Germany in the early 1930s, okay? When Hitler assumed power of the Nazi party in the early 1930s, around 33, he immediately started to build and put people into concentration camps, okay? The reasons behind these camps were for the same reason that Chinese that the Chinese people have built these camps uh, and started throwing Uyghur Muslims into it. At the time, the original camps that Hitler created weren't specifically just geared towards Jews, okay? Uh, They were basically established to be able to weed out and control people that went against the narrative that the government was trying to push, okay? Many countries throughout Europe started to slowly but surely hear the cries of people being treated in absolutely horrendous ways, 
but I think it's important to realize the first concentration camps that were done weren't the ones that were being built out, the early camps, weren't being built out to be able to gas massive amounts of people or burn massive amounts of people, okay? The original camps actually weren't doing the incredible amount of killing that you saw later on in Nazi Germany. They originally were there in order to re-educate populations and indoctrinate them into the fascist Nazi agenda, okay? It was all propaganda. Blaming a group of people, whether it be Jews, whether it be gypsies, whether it be homeless people, doesn't matter who they were, in order to blame those people for the problems that were happening in and around Germany at the time in the 1930s, and of course, in order to be able to convince the other people, the other Germans, that these people were bad and that they needed to be taken away in order for the betterment of Germany to be come to fruition. So many countries in Europe started to slowly but surely realize horrible stuff was happening. And through the rest of the 1930s, it became pretty much common knowledge that these camps existed, okay? The only reason why most of Europe started to get involved and jump in was because Germany started attacking everyone around it. They started to try and imperialize all of Western Europe. So it invaded Poland, it invaded Belgium, it eventually invaded uh, France, right? All of these countries around Germany started to be attacked by Germany. And so they were all like, Whole, all right, okay, well, we've got to fight back. And when they started fighting back, when they started to attack Germany back and take back some of the territories that Germany had won, they went in and saw a lot of the atrocities that had happened. The scary thing is right now is that China does not appear to say to have the exact same motives that Germany had in the 1930s, okay? Hitler was very, very, very open about his willingness and longing for spreading Germany throughout the entire world. He wanted to conquer the entire world. Xi Jinping, as far as we know, may want to do that, but he hasn't been incredibly vocal about that, right? In the same way that Hitler was, okay? So as far as we know right now, Xi Jinping in China is just kind of coasting. He's building up power. He's accumulating wealth. He's accumulating a larger military, uh, better military investments, uh, and advancements, but he has not started taking over other provinces in and around China right now. Okay. He's kind of, I think maybe just sitting back and biding his time. So China is oppressing these people, but no one wants to step in and do anything about it. Okay. Because of the manufacturing and the economic might of, of China right now, countries are literally refusing to place heavy sanctions on or tariffs on China because of what it would do to the world economy. It truly is terrifying. We have countries right now like the United States, like Russia, like the UK, like France and Germany, Australia, all of these larger you know economic powers in the world know what is happening right now in China. But they haven't taken major steps in order to be able to hold China accountable for it. And I get it. A lot of this is incredibly difficult foreign policy. A lot of this is stuff that would absolutely wreck the world economy because if you're going to step in and you're going to hold China accountable for all the atrocities that have happened to the Uyghur Muslims, especially over the past 10 years, then that's going to result in a direct confrontation with China, okay? China is obviously going to try and cover it up. They are obviously going to deny that they have done anything wrong. And in order to be able to get in and actually get the pictures and see what's happening, you've got to be in China. And China is not going to let that happen unless it, you know, 
unless there's some kind of incredible treaty that is done, okay? So, I strongly encourage all of you to read more about this, to learn more about this. I'm sorry, I'm sorry if I didn't do an incredible job of trying to cover all of the details in and around this story. I think this is more hopefully a way to be able to spur you on to do your own research as well and hopefully become more informed about an incredible human rights abuse that is happening right under the noses of the vast majority of the countries in the world, okay? I know that this is just the tip of the iceberg to it, but please read more into it. Please read some stories about it. Like I said, I will be linking the article to the BBC or link, put it, placing a link for the BBC article that was done last week that you can read. It is very, very difficult to read, like I said, but I think that it is worth it and it gives an incredible amount of detail to what is going on in those concentration camps. So like I've said in the past, our goal on this podcast is to be well-informed to do our best to look at uh, the hypocrisy, the good and the bad on both sides of the aisle and to try and find a common ground for all of us to stand on to be able to reach across the aisle and to be able to be you know, educated about incredibly important political things that are happening right now in the United States and the world. I think that it is very, very safe to say that all of us, whether we are on the left or the right side of the aisle, can stand on firm footing in the middle and agree that this is an absolutely horrible human rights abuse that is happening right now in China. And it is our duty as members of this world, okay, as Americans and as people of this world to step up and to spread the information around, if possible, of horrible human rights atrocities that are happening and hopefully make the movement towards change actually coming out, okay? I hope that that happens with all of this. I really, really hope and eventually China comes forward with all the stuff that's happening and we're able to, you know figure out ways to be able to rehabilitate and help the Uyghur Muslim people, but I don't see that happening anytime soon unless people start to actively talk about it more. So, with all of that having been said, that is the end of our only story of the day. Let's go ahead and hop in, as promised, to one Black History Month fact that you may not know. So, uh, interesting Black History fact, because it is Black History Month, okay, is actually about Claudette Colvin. You may or may not have heard of her, but she actually was Rosa Parks before Rosa Parks did what Rosa Parks did, okay? So, Claudette Colvin, when she was 15 years old in 1955, was one of the first women to sit, uh, colored women, to sit on a bus and not move when the bus driver told her to move, okay? She was, of course, subsequently pulled off the bus. She was arrested at 15 years old and went on to participate in a court case that would actually help to overturn the segregation of buses in Montgomery, Alabama. Really, really interesting, though, because it happened about nine months before Rosa Parks sat in her, you know, sat on her, uh, on the bus and refused to move as well. The NCAA, uh, uh, NCAA, NAACP specifically chose Rosa Parks to be kind of the spokesperson for this movement because she was, you know, well-educated, she was smart, she was middle-class, and they knew that if they had her step up and actually do it, that it would be able to get much more national attention as opposed to a 15-year-old girl doing it. However, Claudette Colvin did it first. 
Super interesting stuff. I thought that was awesome. So with all of that having been said, that is the end of our show today. I'm sorry that our show was a little bit more difficult, but I felt like it was a topic that needed to be discussed and talked about. And I hope that all of you enjoyed the topic and at least enjoyed having the conversation about it. As always, y'all, please look me up on Instagram at Split the Difference Podcast. I'm on Facebook at Split the Difference, YouTube at Split the Difference, and of course, my website at SplitTheDifference.com with one T. Go look me up there. Drop me a like, a subscribe, a five-star review. All of that stuff helps so much. And of course, it helps me to know what all the content that you guys enjoy and that you guys like. So as always, y'all remember, we're going to do our best to be level-headed. We're always going to stay reasonable. And of course, we're going to split the difference. This is Austin Taylor.